Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Jeffrey Shaw. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm great, Shahed. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I'm thrilled to be here. Hey, anytime with a good friend to chat is oh, always good with me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So I know, I know I, we always like to kind of um, open the floor with the guests, kind of introducing themselves, what they're involved with, because things change as you progress. So I'd love to hear from yourself. Please. Yeah, sure. And you know, it's it's always a little fun for me to explain my journey because it yeah. seems much uh, more unusual to other people than it does to me because, you know, when it's in your own life, it just yeah. one thing happens to another. But mm -hmm. uh, I am, uh, my original career, you could say, is that of being a, a portrait photographer for very affluent families. So oh, wow. I'm 36 years into doing that, which is insane. But um, I do very little now. Uh, but up until... Five years ago, it was really my mainstay of my income. But about 12 years ago, I started uh, coaching other entrepreneurs on their businesses and uh, fell in love with that. I realized that I truly just love to create businesses and it doesn't have to be my own. So I love supporting others. So I started uh, coaching and then that led to me to speaking on stages. Um, I wrote my first book, A Lingo, that came out in uh, January 2018. Uh, my second book is The Self-Employed Life. And uh, so, yeah, next thing you know, you go from being a photographer, and next thing you know, you're speaking on stages, writing books. I've had a podcast. My podcast, The Self-Employed Life, has been since, uh, well, we're coming on seven years. Wow. <laughs> so you wind up, like I said, you, you head in one direction, you wind up going in several others, but somehow it's all connected. It's a journey, right? It is. And that's yeah. what I said from the outside, it looks like, because I get asked all the time, like, how'd you go from being a photographer to an author, <laughs> you know, on business books? And I was like, well, you know, to me, it's all connected because the dots yeah. connect and it's just all part of the singular journey. Yeah. And writing books like that's such a, it requires so much time and effort, right? Like it's like a full-time yeah. job. Yeah. So you must have had to like really be passionate about writing. I, you know, First of all, it takes discipline. Books yeah. don't get books don't get written by inspiration. They 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 might get started with inspiration, but they get finished by discipline. So when mm. I write, I'm all in. And actually, it set forward for me a really good practice. So when I started writing my first book, uh, wrote, you know, it came out in 2018. So I was writing it in 2017. And what I did is I carved off my I created a I carved off time on my calendar every afternoon from three to six or so, six or seven, I would write. So that meant I had to dramatically change my schedule because I had always had appointments all day long, like most of us. So I ended mm -hmm. up you know, changing my schedule, condensing the earlier part of the day. And then I would treat myself to some wonderful location every afternoon. Um, you know, be it, I'd sit outside by the pool, I live in Miami or I'd yeah. go to the beach. Um, but that dis once the book was done, I stuck with that discipline because I realized that then it became, hey, the book is done. But then I started using those same three hours for other content development, writing articles. You created a habit. Keynotes. Exactly. And it wound up being, right. And it wound up being the right habit for me. And I think that's important for a lot of entrepreneurs because I can't tell you, Shahid, how many people told me to write in the morning. And I'm like, yeah. I tried it because most people write in the morning. It's like, but you know what? When I wrote, it didn't work for me. Everybody's different, right? So Exactly. So I'm an afternoon writer, which I think is opposite of most people. But I couldn't focus in the morning because I was too worried about what wasn't getting done. I felt like I needed to put in a good five hours or five or six hours of work in order to earn the right to just shut everything off and then write. So uh, it works for me. 
but I've stuck mm. with the discipline ever since. Yeah. So you created the habit and you, st- you stuck with it and you keep creating and content creating is like an art, right? Like it's, yeah. you have so much stuff in your mind and, and sometimes it gets overwhelming to even start. Like you don't want to, you want to say, like, you know what, let me start a little later on. Let me see how it goes. Yeah. But once you get in that momentum and you create it into a habit, that's when you can create the, that much content. Yeah. Yeah. I find that uh, two things for me. One is I, all, well, first of all, my phone is always with me anyway, but I have mm-hmm. a Google Doc specifically on content ideas. And um, so if any idea comes to because our best ideas are going to come to yeah. us when, you know, when we're not ready, right? For mm-hmm. me, it's almost always walking my dog and I'll get a content <laughs> idea. Yeah. And what I've, what I've also learned to do is not decide what, how I'm going to deliver that content idea. So if I have a topic idea, I'll mm-hmm. write it down. But I don't know yet whether it's going to be a a podcast, a YouTube video, an Mm -hmm. article, right? Mm -hmm. And I've learned to not force myself into a box to decide how I'm going to use that content idea, but Mm -hmm. then to sit with the topic and see how, where the topic is best serving people and how the medium of delivery. Um, So yeah, that's, it's been a big, I think step number one is to create a habit Mm -hmm. to capture the content idea. And the second one is to make sure you have the, the time to, to execute it. Yeah. So what I, I'm very similar to that. I have, um, uh, um, notes, you know, the notepad and I, yeah. Apple product. Yes. So it's, it's, it's linked, right? So if I have my phone, if something pops up, then I have it like, uh, sectioned off. So yeah. content strategy, that podcast article post, you know, whatever comes up, I put in there and I go back whenever I can to kind of fulfill it. Uh, but it is, I just feel like it feels like a full-time job on its own content. Yeah, creation. it can. But it, like, to me, the key mm-hmm. is though, it's their oh, those ideas are always going to come up yeah. in an inopportune time. I, I kayak a lot. Oh, and, nice. Um, and I know that's what I'm going to, you know, the peacefulness of the ocean and you're out in the sun and this, that's always when your ideas are going to come to you because your yeah. brain has been able to relax. So I have my, I always have my phone in a waterproof yeah. case around my neck. Oh, good. <laughs> you yeah. know, because you know, the ideas are going to come. So be ready to, to capture them. So you're adventurous like that. You do other things or just, is that the one key? You know, it's fine. I don't think of myself in being adventurous. Like never, you will never get me jumping out of a plane. Um, <laughs> I'll do indoor skydiving and it's yeah. on my list of things to do that I want to yeah. do. But no, I mean, to a degree, to, it's funny how, uh, hey, here's, here how's, here's how it is adventurous. It's an inflatable kayak. I mean, I live in Miami. I live in a city. Like we don't have places for actual kayaks. So yeah. it's an inflatable kayak. So oh, okay. many people have said to me, that's insane. You're in the ocean and it's something that a shark could bite. And like, yeah. like well, why is a shark going to, eat plastic, you know? Um, so I'm confident I'm safe, but I guess in some regard it can, it can be really rough too. I mean, it can be, the, but the inflatable kayaks are fantastic for maneuvering and they're actually more comfortable because it's soft plastic yeah. as opposed to hard plastic. So I don't know. I don't think of myself as very adventurous, but then again, I think being an entrepreneur is pretty darn adventurous. I'm just so used to it. I take it for granted, but yeah. anybody that goes into business for themselves is, you know, bordering on insane, but uh, we do it anyway. We wouldn't have it any other way. So that's amazing. Yeah, so true. So true. And how did you, you got, you kind of evolved into speaking on stage and doing the keynote speeches and stuff. How did you get into that? Yeah. So, you know, as a photographer, when I started my photography business, I, for whatever reason, I, I just, I trusted my gut instinct a lot, a lot more Mm. than I, I think a lot of people do. I think Mm. we should always turn to trusting ourselves. And in my heart of hearts, when I started, I was 20 years old, but I, I understood really clearly that I didn't want to build a typical photography business. Okay. So I didn't actually pay any attention to what other photographers are doing. Uh-huh. And I just kept my head down. I just had my head down doing what I was doing for 15 years. 
And then 15 years into being a photographer, you know, I started understanding that my business was very different and far more successful than other people. I just didn't really know because I was just so- You were creating. You were just creating, you know? Right. And we're innately, I think a lot of us are innately competitive. So I just assumed everybody was doing better than me, right? Because part of the dangling carrot, part of what kept me going was was generating this, self-generating this comparative feeling like somebody must be doing better than me. I had to run faster. So I just was working really hard and built this business and 15 years in, um, actually it was, it was driving with a friend of mine who was also a photographer and I was getting divorced and, um, I, I let him, I was venting about the settlement, <laughs> the divorce settlement. And, you know, he said, you're, you're paying her what, like pull off the road. And I literally pulled her, he goes, how much money do you make if that's what you're giving her? <laughs> and, um, and it was the first time I had ever been asked the first time I ever said, and I told him, he said, how well is your photography business doing? And he's also yeah. a photographer. Oh, and I had no, up until that point, I really had, had no idea that yeah. I did that much better. You didn't compare, right? You no. were just focused on creating. You weren't Correct. competing, you know? So then once, uh, once in the photo industry word got out, you could say, then I started getting asked to speak all the time oh, in the wow. photo industry because they wanted me to, to teach other photographers some nice. of my strategies. And then that led to speaking outside of the photo industry. So it, it again, it kind of within industry first, um, when I wrote my book, Lingo, uh, that really was kind of my, my, my card out, if you will, because I was, I didn't want to be pigeonholed as to be just in the photo industry. Cause I felt my concepts were, and they are, my business concepts are much broader than having anything to do with a photographer. They're applicable to all industries almost. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get out on broader, broader audiences and bigger stages. Um, so yeah, that's how it evolved. Amazing. Can you tell us more about Lingo, the book? Like, what yeah. is this? Can you so elaborate? Lingo, it's interesting how, you know, when I was writing, so my second book is The Self-Employed Life, my more yes. recent book. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be, I know that I'm going to write many books. So I wanted to be an author that there was a connection between the books. But when I started writing my second book, The Self-Employed Life, I couldn't actually see in myself the connection to the book Lingo. Lingo is a brand messaging strategy. The goal of Lingo, Lingo teaches you, teaches uh, an entrepreneur how to define their ideal customer and how to learn to speak their lingo. The lingo of your oh. ideal customers is sort of their, their secret language. Mm-hmm. It's tapping into their emotions. It's, it's understanding what they're not saying to you. Mm-hmm. And it's based on deep emotions and deep understanding of who they are. And I knew that really well because that's how I built my photography business. I wound up, I, I came from a lower middle-class background. I wound up being the photographer for very wealthy families only because... I took the time to do the work to understand their mindsets, their lingo, because mm-hmm. I wasn't from their world, yeah. but I could serve them if I understood their world. Yeah. So I teach that in lingo. So it's lingo is very much a brand message strategy, how to say the right things to the right people to get your ideal customers. When I was writing my second book, The Self-Employed Life, which the core principle of The Self-Employed Life is around this idea of a self-employed ecosystem, which I think is incredibly invaluable to entrepreneurs in that because I've been studying and observing this for 36 years, Mm -hmm. that self-employment is unique in that we don't have mass, you know, we don't have many departments like a corporation would. There is very little, if any line between our personal lives and our work lives. But more than anything, the reason self-employment is unique is that the, how far we can go and how successful we can be is proportionate to our personal development. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. in both, in two ways, in one way, we have to, we have to develop ourselves and expand our capacity on our mindsets for success yeah. in order to achieve success. And on the mm-hmm. other side, in business for yourself, your buttons are being pushed all the time. Every inner critic, every, you know, saboteur you have is being hit. So it forces you to grow quicker. Mm-hmm. So because of that, because of that, that integration I've been observing the need for self-employed business owners to understand this idea of a self-employed ecosystem where things are connected. The three main elements of the self-employed ecosystem are personal development, business strategies, daily habits, mm-hmm. that you need to be healthy in all three of those elements. If any element is off, like an ecosystem in nature, it can destroy the whole ecosystem. So when I started writing this second book, I reached out to my editor of Lingo and Gate provided her with the outline and said, you know, I don't want to be one of those authors that is all over the place. Like, do you see a connection between these books? And, and her response, how she, her response, she actually sent me back a video. She goes, how can you not see this? And I couldn't, right. You know, we often can't, because I, you know, you can't see something so close to you. And she said, her response was in lingo, which gets back to the root of your question. What's it about? She said, in lingo, you taught people how to create the environment through Uh language, through messaging, to create the environment to get your ideal customers. In the self-employed life, it is an environment for an entrepreneur to get the business results they want. And ironically, she even said, because you're actually calling it an ecosystem. Like, how do you not see the connection to an environment? And I realized that is- It's interconnected. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But that is that is the real core of the, the meat of my work and my new book, The Self-Employed Life, is- to provide all three of those elements. So there's, uh, you know, I've got a thousand hours of training as a coach. So there's a lot of coaching in the book, a lot of personal development, very specific business strategies that are right-sized for small and self-employed businesses. Mm-hmm. And then there's daily habits and uh, mindsets that you want to enact on a daily basis so that mm-hmm. you can create sustainability and even out the ups and downs and be able to, to, be able to, to manage the, the things that come at us when we're self-employed. So it's an all-inclusive system. Do you have another book coming to kind of connect it? Or we'll see. I mean, there's definitely going to be a third one. I just don't. I mean, my goal is to, and I wasn't, I didn't set out this way, but uh, my two books right now are three years apart, right? 2018 and 2021. Oh yeah. So I'm thinking that might be a pattern. I may go yeah. for like the next book because <laughs> you know, it, the way I look at it is like this year I will work all year. I will work for a year to to get the word of the self-employed life out there. And then I'll give myself a year breather. And then the third, the next year, you have to start writing the next book again, because it takes a year to write and a year to get out there. So, um, you know, but I want to give myself a little bit of a break in between the books. So yeah, there'll be another one. I'm just not sure what it is yet. That's excellent. And what you mentioned mindset. So Mm -hmm. what kind of focus do you have on mindset for self-employed individuals? How do you, how do you help? You know, I think there's, uh, and I do separate for the for the ease of people understanding, I separate personal development from mindset, mm-hmm. and here's why: because personal development, I really focus because there, there's definitely an overlap. I mean, it takes mindsets to improve your personal development. Mm-hmm. The difference is this: and the goal of personal development is to increase one's capacity for their success. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do that, and this is what I think is most often lacking in an entrepreneur's ecosystem is they haven't done the personal development work. So if you don't have enough capacity, what happens is most entrepreneurs are so action-oriented that they're doing all the things, they're running like a hamster on a wheel, but they- Monkey mind. 
monkey mind, but it's, there's no place for it to go if you mm. haven't increased the capacity, right? And yeah. capacity means, you know, it's things like getting thinking, getting out of limited thinking. Mm. It is um, making sure you're clear on where you're going in your increasing tactics. awareness, increasing awareness, you know, right. overall. And it, and it's also just, you know, you would, and you probably do know this, but it is incredibly difficult to get people to step into what they deserve, right? It's, right, it's a limiting it, beliefs that hold them back, correct. right? And if you've done, if you haven't done that, if you haven't stepped into what you really deserve, how can you expect to get what you actually deserve in life, which is probably much more than you currently believe you deserve? So that's what I mean by it's mindsets, but yeah. with the objective of developing one's person, right? Their capacity. Mm, overall. Right. Where mindsets on the other end, when I consider like mindsets for daily habits, those are affirmations. Those are consistent because what we know in personal growth is that just like weight loss, small, consistent behavior creates sustainability. If you lose mm. weight too quick, it's harder to keep it off. If you mm -hmm. lose a couple pounds a week, mm -hmm. you can maintain it. Same thing with mindset. So I'm a mm -hmm. big believer that you can, you know, you want to set up the business systems, the business strategies, you want to develop the, your inner capacity, and they have to be supported with daily habits that create yeah. consistent mindsets mm -hmm. so that you sustain your success. Yeah, you can stop training your mindset. You can stop stop working on it. And all of a sudden, within days and weeks, it just becomes history. You don't know, yeah. right? It's a, so it's a regular routine, just like you work out in a gym. You got to work out your mindset. And it's, it's and I feel like it's like a foundation, just like in a, when you construct a building. Correct. As a foundation, you need that strong. I never knew that. Like before I never, I was just always strategy, always rushing and always that monkey mind. I lived it, you know, and yeah. it was just so stressful. Yeah. Uh, once I found out about me, figure out me, figure out my mindset, worked on that, made that a habitual way of being, everything started transforming. So yeah, there's a, there's a quote in the book that uh, has been several people I've read, have kind of pulled that quote out because it's obviously important to them. And uh, the quote is here, I wrote it. So let me think I remember it. The quote is that uh, the risk is not in building a business. The risk is in not supporting the business you build. Mm. Right. I mean, we somehow have been culturally led to believe that there's all this risk in starting a business and that you're going to fail. The hot the rate of failure bad. is high. Right. Risk. <laughs> and build. It's actually not. I mean, the risk is not in the business you build. The risk is in not supporting yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Supporting it with your mindsets, your consistent mm -hmm. daily habits, because if you don't, you have you're much more likely to become derailed, yes. run out of steam, run out of energy, burn out or give up. That's so true. So true. That brings me to the question, question about your morning routine. Do you mm -hmm. mind sharing your morning routine? No, like, not at all. You must yeah. have a ritual, right? Like, a, oh, do I'll I? I'll share mine after yours. So <laughs> that <laughs> helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine might take a half hour. No. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So, my morning routine. So, the um, first thing I do is I am a huge lover of masala chai tea. So oh. I, I, the, the, the real way I have, um, I get, you know, I have actually have a family make. Indian spices for me and combine it. So, so is it a spicy tea. though in the morning? I like it extremely spicy. Not like a lot of people think of chai tea as being really sweet because that's what they get at Starbucks, you know. But I said that's not chai tea. Masala is like like spicy Masala's, though, right? Yeah. So I make it with boil. So I boil. I'm non-dairy, so I boil yeah. soy milk. Um, yeah. So I boil the milk, put the 
tea spices yeah. in uh, uh-huh. the the black tea and a bunch yeah. of spices. Uh-huh. Let it steep after it's come to a boil. I let it steep for three minutes, and then yeah. I put it through a sifter. Uh-huh. So it's it's a fifteen minute routine in itself for me to make oh. my morning tea. But you look I, for, it sounds like you look forward to it though. <laughs> I can't. I tell. I keep telling. I've I've said it many times. If I live to be a hundred, which is my plan, it will be entirely because of this tea. Wow. I mean, it is it. My body, if I'm if I'm traveling and I'm not able to make it for myself, and I've even figured out kind of a work around that. But if I'm unable to, if I skip it, my body functions differently. Like I just really? don't. Yeah, I can immediately tell the difference. I, I'm telling you, this is. I've been drinking it. Has term, it, it has turmeric, right? Turmeric is really good it has for your bones. Turmeric. It has um, cardamom is a big component oh, of yeah. it, and at the base of it is black tea. And a little clove. Um, can you anise. send a recipe to me? <laughs> yeah, I probably can. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Well, I said at this point, it's just, I've been doing this for, tw- I've been doing this for over 25 years. Wow. Every morning. So that's a big part of my morning routine. And then with that chai tea, I sit down and I read every morning for an hour. Amazing. I love to read. Um, I read two business books a week because mm-hmm. most business books are 200, 250 pages. So I read a mm-hmm. hundred pages a day, uh, five days Very a week. Very good. And then um, I take my dog for a 45 minute walk. And while I'm walking my dog, I'm re- I recite my affirmations in my mind. It's kind of like a running tape. So I yes, kind of, yes. I'm multitasking there. So I'm mm-hmm. walking my dog, but I'm yeah. always running this tape yeah. in the back of my mind, Very really good. settling it for the day. I come back from that walk, feed him. Um, and then I do a 10 to 12 minute uh, meditation. And nice. then I journal about five minutes. And my journaling is very specific because it's something I teach in both of my books, actually. Uh-huh. It's what I call- So the important. Yeah. And it's what I call a what's going right journal. Mm-hmm. It's very specific because I love all these habits, but I'm t- I, I, like most entrepreneurs, I'm so busy. I don't do anything that's not going to bring results. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, we can do a lot of nice to haves in life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things that are nice to have. To me, a gratitude journal- I love gratitude is obviously very meaningful, but for mm-hmm. me, a gratitude journal was a nice to have because I, I'm grateful for so of many course. things. So right? powerful. Yeah. But when I sit down and do the what's going right journal mm-hmm. is more action oriented for me because it, I list uh. what's going right is what's going right. So I write what I can see is going right in my life. And when things are tough, it's not so easy. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly when you need to see what's going right, because scientifically you're rewiring the brain. Very good. Yeah. Right? Because our mm-hmm. brains are wired to see criticism and threats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you sit down and you write out what's going right, you will see more of what's going right. Next thing you know, mm-hmm. throughout your day, you're like, oh, well, that's going right too. Yeah. That's going right. Right. Awesome. You start seeing it. Yeah. And you start expecting that more. Correct. You know, you start becoming like that. So for me, what I do, I have something similar um, with the, uh, the list that I do, I, I write what qualities I see in myself. So I write like 10 things that I'm, I see nice. that I have within. So it's kind of similar. So it's like, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm a better speaker now, I'll mention that, right? So different things that I noticed that day, sometimes they're repetitive, obviously, but that's how I do it. Yeah. And, and just, you know, science, first of all, I think we all can agree at this point, what we know is what you focus on, you get more of, yeah. right? So if you, what you choose to focus yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. But it also, there's a scientific component to this. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this in uh, the self-employed life. It's called mm-hmm. brain priming. Okay. Right. So brain priming, which you can use strategically in business if you choose to in a variety of ways. So brain priming is the reason why you could have never heard about something. Say there's, you know, somebody tells you about a movie for the first time and next thing you know, you see it everywhere. Yeah. Okay. It's so true. That's brain priming. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because it's based on recognition. Like your brain just wasn't wired to recognize that thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now let's look about the power of recognition. You can use that in two ways. One, if you want success in your life, you need to wire your brain to recognize what success looks like to you. Mm -hmm. That's why, that's why affirmations are important because you're affirming you have to what be success, it. you have to be it. And then you will see it more likely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other reason, the way brain priming really works in business is now let's flip it and imagine the power of that to your customers. Mm -hmm. If you want to stand out to your customers, you need to prime in their brains, the emotions that you trigger for them because you become unforgettable. They can't unsee you. Like in my book, Lingo, which again, this lingo is all about brand messaging. So when I teach it, I, so often people will say to me afterwards, well, now that I learned about this, I can't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's good. That's brain priming. Yeah. Like that's my, that should be our goal in life mm -hmm. is to be so present in our people and, and emotionally present in people's lives that they can't unsee us. That's mm -hmm. how you stand out. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And it's just, uh, it's the, it's, it's, there's so much power in actually being it. When you be it, your body just moves. You just move into a situation. You're, you start working on things that bring those kind of goals closer and easier. It just feels easier. You feel like you're working harder. You're doing more, but it just feels like it's less. That yeah. makes sense, you know? Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. As long as it doesn't get tangled up in the fake it till you make it model, which yeah. I still, I battle with the idea of it because I actually can see it as a useful tool, right? Yeah. I mean, when I was 20 and I learned all about fake it till you make it, I understood it and it it was a useful tool, right? Same, it's similar to, I don't know if you're aware of this, but if when, when one goes to medical school, they start calling you doctor right from the beginning, right? So that you're you become taking, it. <laughs> you're becoming a doctor, right? Yeah. So the, so I get the idea of fake it till you make it. The problem is the fake it part. The yeah. problem is usually what's missing is having done the work to authentically be who you want to be on the inside so that it shows up on the outside. It's, I think it's an inner game. It should be done as yeah. an inner game. Don't yes. let it come out. So you yeah. fake it inside. You're telling yourself that, you know what, this is who I am for the affirmations with your life script. You're believing it. You're hearing it. You're seeing right. it. When you believe it from within, even though the outside world is different, yeah. you start make taking actions that take you closer to that, right? But if you fake yeah. it to make it and you start bringing that to the outer world, then Correct. there's a problem. Then you're just that. coming across yeah. cocky. Or, yeah. yeah. And, and that crashes. You know, it's the not problem fair is, either, right, to right. people. So. Well, and to your point, like if you're faking it, if you're not, if you're not owning it internally, if you're, what, then what's happening is that you are, you're expecting external validation. And yeah. when that external validation is challenged or falls apart, you fall apart. Mm. And that's where fake it doesn't make it. Like it yeah. has to come from within. And yeah. one of the, again, also one of the practices I are uh, concepts or practices I talk about in the self-employed life is what I refer to as uh, personal growth jet lag because, and it's an awareness I like to bring to people because particularly entrepreneurs, because we can so often expect results quicker than, than they happen. You know, I mean, almost all of us, right? We always want things to happen sooner than they do. <laughs> um, and that's because there is a personal growth lag, growth jet lag. As we change, as you develop, it's really important to understand that it takes a while for the outer world to catch up. When we inner, when we grow on the inside as we should, yeah, and that's should. what personal development is all about. Yes. 
we, we know we feel our readiness. We feel our readiness to receive and our readiness for our next level and our readiness to be bigger in the world. But the world hasn't caught up yet. Mm-hmm. The outer world, and that's the personal growth jet lag. I always forewarn my clients because I initiate fast paced growth. That's what mm-hmm. I do with my coaching mm-hmm. clients, mm-hmm. but I warn them. I'm like, okay, we're, you're, you're going to be ready for that success. You're going to be ready for that, you know, that energy of it, but the world hasn't caught up yet. Just give them some time Yes, and Don't rush it'll it. come back around. Yeah. yeah. It's just, a that's of, a hard stage. It's just a hard stage. And the problem yeah. is a lot of people want to tend to give up, right? They want to just Correct. say, you know what? This is, oh, this is, this is not working. This is not like I'm feeling yeah. it, but I can't. They start patient. yelling at their coach. Like, hey, you made me do all this and <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting yeah. results, you know? Yeah, they, but there's, yeah. there's patience involved. That's why I tell yeah. them ahead of time. Is like, but yeah, yeah, it's very easy to say, but I, you know, and, and you get frustrated. Like I think it's one of the most frustrating stages yes of entrepreneurship. So like, I've done all, I've done all the work. Yeah. Where are the results? Mm-hmm. And that's because like I said, the world hasn't just hasn't caught up to the new. It's sort of like if you break trust, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you, yeah. you cheat on a partner or something, yes. like you break trust, yeah. you know, you can't just say, okay, I'm trustworthy now and have them mm-hmm. buy into it. It's yeah. going to take a while before they can lean into that trust again. Yes. Same thing with any of our personal development. Personal, and also, the, I believe faith is such a huge component in this. You know, mm-hmm. having that faith, having that belief that you can achieve what you are feeling within—that is a done deal. Then you will be patient because you have that faith. It's gonna come. It's gonna come. Yeah. I, you I have faith to is as, weak, right? Yeah. When your faith is weak, you kind of tend to give up. Yeah, Sorry, in, my, in, in, uh, in my book, I refer to that as trust. Like what's your source trust. of trust? You trust, know, because people, yeah. whether one, when, whether trust comes from one's faith, uh, the universe, their God, it can have, whichever, it can, it, it, yeah. whichever yeah. it really comes down to trust. Like you, I truly believe that you have to trust that there are forces at play that are bigger than you are. Yes. Whatever they may be. So like, true. And if you don't, then you truly are operating from a place that the entire world is on your shoulders. And if that's the case, you're limited to what you can handle. Yeah, it's ignorance too. you want more than you can handle. It's either knowledge or ignorance, right? Like when you don't know and you just, you have to know there's so much more, so much bigger stuff happening around us that we can't see. Yeah, Um, Yeah. and and I said, in 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 order to receive more than you can handle, that's what abundance is, yeah. right? Abundance is, oh my gosh, I've got more than I can handle, <laughs> right? In order to in order in order to achieve abundance and to handle more, you know, handle more than you think you can handle, you have to trust there's something else carrying the weight. Yes, you have to. There has to. to be some other source. You have to. Yeah. You have to. There has to be more. Um, we always like to ask our guests what their inner superpower is to get them to this point. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to think I have several inner powers. Oh, you will uh, for sure. But just that, that <laughs> yeah, prime, that one. one. Yeah. I would say, you know, and I tell you, I'm not going to cop out because so often I've said empathy, right? Because, and I, and I think that is true, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to say a different one because I'm more in touch with that now. And that is my inner superpower is my ability to take pieces and compose it into a whole. And that may not even make sense to anybody, but that's how, that's how I know it's my superpower. You have to understand as a photographer, a visualization of putting it together. Yeah. I just, I see the world in pieces. Like I see the world, like I, as a photographer, I photograph entirely on location. 
Right? Mm-hmm. And then what's significant about that is that it's a bunch of pieces. Like there's the location, there's the sunlight, there's the wind, there are the people, various mm-hmm. people, there's dynamic. So I'm so comfortable in that environment. Most people aren't. Most people mm-hmm. aren't comfortable in a, a chaotic environment like that. I, my brain thrives there because I see all the pieces and like, oh my gosh, something incredible can be made from this. Mm-hmm. And that's my superpower because what it helps me do is work with my, my coaching clients I can see their ecosystem that they can't see. Yeah. I can see the wholeness of their business that they can't see. It's right? special, yeah. And it, it, my brain is just wired that way. And I've, I've really learned to step into that being my superpower. Because I, when it's your superpower, you sometimes don't realize it's unique. Yeah. Until you realize, oh, not, that is unique. not everybody sees the world that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that is unique. Yeah, I think that so. Is yeah. And is there any kind of recommendation or anyone, anything that you could provide someone, for example, considering going on their own into business from working nine to five, any kind of recommendation you could give someone like that? Sure. Well, buy my book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, truly. And I say this sincerely because I mean yeah. like the self-employed life, you know, I have a very specific goal. When I, I had the concept for the book and I went to Amazon, you know, do my due diligence. And you know what? Every, if you Google under the term self, the self-employed, every book is about taxes. I mean, I've been, it's, I've been, it's ridiculous. I've been yeah. self-employed my entire life. Like literally, I've never had a job, a, a traditional job. I've yeah. never received a paycheck. I I've never, been self-employed. I... And, and I look at that and I'm thinking, that is not my life. Like, who are these people? <laughs> like, that's not what life actually looks like yeah. when you're self-employed. So I wrote mm-hmm. a book that truly looks like the life of self-employed. It is your personal mm. development. It is your challenges. It is your business strategies. It's your productivity. It, what I wanted to create, which I believe we accomplished, is a book that my, 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 the woman who did the, the Leslie M who did the endorsement for the cover of the book, she refers to it as her Bible. It's like, this is going to sit on her desk and she will pick it. And that's what I was aiming for. I wanted to create a resource book for self-employed and small business owners that they, they reach for. And it's like, oh, the information's in here. So honestly, starting out, I really do want people to have this book Mm. because there's nothing else out there that brings it all together, right? This is all inclusive. Otherwise, you know, one of the most common things self-employed business owners say is they feel like they're all over the place. And I'm like, well, it's no wonder because you've had to go to coaches for your mindset work. You've had to go to conferences for programs. You've had to hire people for specific tasks in your business. You've had to go, you've had to buy online courses for training. Like you have had to go everywhere to get what you need. It's no wonder you feel like you're all over the place, Mm -hmm. right? This book brings it all together. It really is all the pieces that somebody needs. So, and I think that's so important to, making a self-employed business owner feel okay and mm-hmm. also to be efficient so they can get on with it. It's a go-to book for self-employment. It really is. I mean, I am all out to, I mean, this is so important to me that this is all, I mean, self, the whole world of self-employed. I even started an advocacy group called Voices of the Self-Employed um, where I'm, I'm building a bigger community so that we can make sure that we are protected in our governments Right. Mm-hmm. So that we can, um, you know, obviously I'm based in the US, so I'm focusing a little bit more on that for now because I have more influence there. But I want to make sure that in the case, not if, when there's a case of another pandemic or another global tragedy, that we make sure we get fair representation and funding. Because what has happened in the past is that the businesses I care most about are actually too small to be considered small business. 
And then we get stuck in this loophole, like, cause small business in the U S anyway, is defined up to 500 employees. Hmm. Now, most That's people, most self-employed big. businesses are businesses of one, maybe one. Three, <laughs> yeah, three, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so we have fallen in this. So what happens is the government throws you a little bone and says, here's a stimulus check, go live on that. And you're like, that doesn't represent the help I need. I, I have a business. Yeah. This, the, you know, the COVID, the, this pandemic uh, is the first one in US history anyway, where we have the, the PPP loans. There became loans available that may or may not be forgivable. So it's a good step in the right direction to make sure that there is support for small yes. business owners. But we have a long ways to go because otherwise self-employed and truly small businesses, your, your business of five or fewer, they have always fallen through a loophole. And you know we need to solve, solve that. So that's why I'm even getting involved politically. Very good. Um, so to me, my whole world revolves around being being a, a voice and an advocate for self-employed business owners. That's great, Jeffrey. It's been an honor having you on the show. I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on. And uh, I want to um, officially thank you for being My pleasure. on the show. Yeah. Thank you. And, thank you for inviting me. No problem. And audience, uh, please subscribe. Um, turn your notifications on. We're going to have amazing guests like Jeffrey coming on. And if you need help, with anything, Jeffrey is, is more than welcome to have you connect with him and, and take it from there. And again, thank you so much.